the choir number that was done. Everybody got a songbook in front of you. Take and get your songbook for a minute. Get your songbook out. Turn to page 269. 269. You say, we're going to sing. No, 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 we're not going to sing. But today is communion service day. It's a memorial service. It's a divine command for all of God's children. It's a time for self-examination, but understanding the purpose of the memorial. Here's a song. We sing it all the time. A lot of people know this song. But I'm not sure they really understand what it really means. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? If you were to tell that to a lost man, what do you got to do to be saved? You got to be washed in the blood. Oh, that sounds exciting. Washed in the blood? A lot of people don't like the word blood in their songs. Don't want to hear about blood when they study the Bible. And they think that Christianity is just a bloody religion. But if you understood what the Bible talks about when he says about this royal blood of Jesus Christ. And that's what the Bible is really about. It's all about the blood. But understanding why there's power in the blood. And when he talks about being washed in the blood, well, what do you mean by that? Another statement that's made here. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Verse 2, for my part in this I see, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can for sin atone, nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my hope and peace, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Uh, it's very important. We sing this song to know, well, what does it mean? Look at page 283, 283, page 283. We often sing this song. There is power in the blood. Sometime we get to the chorus, we say there's power in the blood. Power, 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 power. So how many times can you get it in there? Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Like the blood's going to do that? Would you be free from your passion and pride? Power of the blood is going to have anything to do with that? Would you be whiter, much whiter than snow? Power in the blood. Would you do service? For Jesus, your king, there's power in the blood. What is this power in the blood? And why do we sing these songs that deals with blood? Why do we have a communion service when we talk about the grape juice representing the blood of Jesus Christ? So you um, got a copy of the notes, and I want to cover a few things with you. The Bible is about the royal bloodline of Jesus Christ from the beginning to the end. This is a book about the blood. Number one, the blood of Christ provides a perfect covering for man's sin, his guilt, and its shame. Have you ever heard the advertisement years ago, Tide can get out that dirty stain? You ever heard of Mr. Clean? He can get out some of those stains. They're always coming out with something that can get out the stain and leave it as though it never happened. Well, whenever a man sins, 
It leaves a stain that nothing can get it out. Nothing can remove it except the blood of Jesus Christ. All of us have sinned, so we've all got this stain on us. And there's nothing that can get it out except the blood of Jesus Christ. And I want to explain what we mean by that. So when Adam and Eve sinned, they got some fig leaves. They produced what they thought would hide them, cover them. And then the Lord comes along and says, um, have y'all done anything you weren't supposed to do? And Adam says, well, she made me. You know that woman you made? And what did she say? Well, it was that serpent. The blame game has been going on ever since. It's not my fault. But because of sin, it was the Lord that took an animal and the skins of that animal and clothed them with it. See, there had to be a blood sacrifice from the very first sin in this world. A sin offering. Something innocent had to die. Something innocent had to shed their blood. In order to make a covering and appeasement because it did not take away their sin. It only appeased God temporarily. All the sacrifices in the Old Testament only appeased God, but it did not please God. Number two, I want you to look at this, but I want you to take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Genesis in chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, we will not be able to look at all of these verses, but we will look at the verses that are in your notes. In the book of uh, Genesis in chapter 4, I want us to look there in uh, verse 3. In the process of time, understand there's various stages of time. Time has been processed. It came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Well, this was a fruit of the ground, and God did not want this because this offering had no blood. There was no life shed in order to cover his sin. He brought forth his works that he had produced, and God would not accept it. In verse 4, it says, And Abel, he brought the first thing of his flock, and of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering. It had a blood offering, a blood sacrifice. You see, from the very first sin of the first man and woman, was a blood offering. From the first two children that were born, a blood sacrifice was to be offered. Because something innocent to pay for their sins. Well, this is the beginning of the story of the importance of this bloodline. And God had promised that he was going to bring forth a seed into the world. He would be innocent he would not commit any sin. He would not have to die. But voluntarily he will give his life as a payment for the sins of the world. It would require a blood sacrifice. Because it says in Leviticus 17, 11, the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your sin, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. Blood has to be shed. Life has to be given. Now, I want you to notice what it says in verse 6. 
And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou robbed? Why is thy countenance fallen? Because he, he offered his works, and God rejected works for salvation. God only wanted that blood sacrifice. By doing what God says do, it demonstrated the faith of what he believed about what God said about his sins. And it says in verse 7, If thou doest well, meaning if you will offer a blood sacrifice, shalt thou not be accepted. Right here in the very beginning we have the refuting of Calvinism that God has already predetermined who would be saved and who would not be saved. He says, if thou doest and bring the right, shalt thou not be accepted. Because he, he accepted the one for Abel. And he would be. This is your right. You have your first fundamentalist and your first modernist right here in the very beginning. These two people. One believing what God said and the other one not believing what God says. There's people today, after all of these years, still trying to save themselves by putting together some fig leaves. Or bringing the works of their hands. Instead of they need a blood sacrifice. And that sacrifice was Christ when he went to the cross. And that's why that is so important. Now, I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Exodus in chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. Very next book to your right. Exodus chapter 12. And I want you to look there in uh, verse 12. This is where God lays down the law, telling them what he wanted them to do when they were going to be delivered from the rule of Pharaoh, bring them out of Egypt, and take them toward the promised land. Pharaoh did not want to let them go. But this is what the Lord told them to do. He says, all the firstborn are going to die of cattle, people, whatever. But he says, you are to take a lamb and slay that lamb and take some hyssop, which is a small little bush, and dip it into the blood. And then you're to put it upon the lentil and upon the doorpost as though you was making a cross. You were putting this blood upon this doorpost and upon the lentil. And he says, when I come through, when I see the blood... Those that are in that home are safe. The firstborn will not die. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. So look what he says there in verse 12. And I will pass through the land of Egypt this night. Will smite all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the house where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. That's why it's called the Passover. That's why Jesus was called the Passover lamb. This is why John the Baptist says, when I see the, when he looked at Jesus, he says, I see the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He was that lamb. And this is what he's referring to. This is why on the night before Christ was crucified, they had the Passover meal and he was the Passover that was to be offered, the sacrifice the very next day. And he says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Look in verse 14. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generation. Even in the New Testament, 
Jesus says, this is my blood, which was poured for you. This is my body, which bore your sins. He told them that. Then Paul comes along, and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes that we are supposed to observe this same memorial, but it's not because he is coming, it's because he already has come. They look forward to the day the Lamb would come, and we look back to the day the Lamb has come, but we all look back to the cross. And Jesus is the Passover. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, his blood that was shed was like putting blood on you. And when God sees that blood, he passes over you. You're not condemned because you have believed in Christ. Anyone who is not covered by the blood, by his life, by his sacrifice, is under the condemnation of God, under the wrath of God. That's why it's so important. Look in verse 21 while you're right there in the book of Exodus in chapter 12. Verse 21, then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, draw out and take you a lamb. According to your families, kill the Passover. Kill the Passover. Jesus Christ was our Passover, and he was killed not for himself. These lambs did not die for their sins. They were a substitute for somebody else. Jesus did not die for his sins. He died as a substitute for us. And then you'll notice what he says here in verse 22. And ye shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in blood that is in the basin. Strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. Verse 23. For the Lord will pass through the, to smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in under your houses to smite you. You're safe because of the blood. You see, as you go through the Bible, from the very beginning of the first sin, there's always this bloodline. And it goes all the way through. If you ever notice on my prophecy chart that I have, I have the cross is red. And all the way back to the very beginning is red. And all the way through to the very last person is red. Because the cross is the blood that was shed for the sins of the whole world. And that's why we need to trust him as our Savior. Now, I wanted you to see this. Look at number four in your notes. The blood of Christ was shed for the remission of our sins. In Matthew 26, 28, it says, For this is my blood of the New Testament, the new covenant, which is shed for many, and get this, for the remission of sins. In other words, your sins, my sins, cannot be taken away without the blood of Jesus Christ paying for it. He died so that he could fulfill the debt you have and the debt that I have, and he paid our debt with his life, because the wages of sin is death. And that's why he had to die. And the life of the flesh is in the blood. When you get sick, you go to the doctor, one of the first things they want to do is take your blood. Because your blood tells them a little bit about what's going on inside of that body of yours. Isn't that a coincidence? No, God designed it that way. Get rid of all of your blood. How long would you live? You're going bye-byes. you got to leave that body because that body cannot operate without blood. 
Look at the next statement. Here in Ephesians 1, in, like in your notes, in whom, talking about Christ, we have redemption. That means we have been redeemed. It means we were in debt, and he paid our debt. How? Through his blood. And get the next part, the forgiveness of sins. See, your sins cannot be forgiven if the debt had not been paid. So he paid for your sins and for my sins. And when we believe he did it for us, we're taking that death payment that he made and we're putting the blood upon the, the doorpost and upon the lintel. And we know when he sees the blood, it passes over us. So I, when I was 18 years old, I finally understood Christ died for my sins. And when I accepted that death payment that he made for my sins, I've got a payment for my sins as though I have never sinned. I have no cause to have to be eternally separated from God. That's why we talk about, are you washed in the blood? It means, have you been cleansed of all of your sins because of the death that somebody else made? He gave his life, shed his blood so that you could be pure. So that when you sing the song, I am washed in the blood, or there's power in the blood, you know what he's talking about because his blood was not like your blood. All of our blood is corruptible blood. His is incorruptible blood. His is incorruptible. It means his blood is as fresh today as it was when it flowed in his veins. Another sermon for another time. Look at number five. Through the blood of Christ, we have cleansing from sin. Revelation 1, 5, and this is what it says. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us, and get this, washed us from our sins in his own blood. He took all the sins of all the world upon himself, and died and paid for our sins. And so he could come back from the dead. Our debt has been paid. And offer to everyone the free gift of everlasting life. It means he gives you a new birth that does not have a sinful nature. And without a sinful nature, it new birth, it cannot sin. And if it cannot sin, it cannot die. And if it cannot die, you have eternal life. This is why over the years, 55 years or more, I've sung that one song called, I'm a child of the king. His royal blood now flows in my veins. Talking about my new birth. I've got in my new birth, I've got like the royal blood, incorruptible blood of Christ that has eternal life. That's why I'm a child of God for all eternity. And I love that song. I heard them practicing it this morning. Did y'all play it today? It's coming. Child of the King. I love it. I am a child of the King. I am royalty. So are you if you trusted Christ as your Savior. Because if I am a child of the King, I'm royalty. That ought to make you stand a little taller and a little prouder. Look at the next verse. In Revelation 7, 14, 
And I said unto you, Sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of the great tribulation and have, get this, washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Made them white. Means that you can be made pure and holy by accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. His life for your life. He took your sins, gives you His righteousness. And in the book of Isaiah, it talks about God has given to us a robe of righteousness. Robe of righteousness. His robe. I'm going to heaven on His righteousness, not on mine. This isn't something you can earn or work for. It is the gift of God. If you're trusting in your good works, it's no difference than Cain offering the works and the fruit of his hands. You're just like Cain. It will not work. God will not accept it. But if you was to accept Christ as your Savior, wouldn't God be accepting you? You are accepted in the Beloved, in Christ, when you trust Him as your Savior. Number six, through the blood of Christ, we have redemption out of the slave market of sin. In other words, it's like we're on the slave market of sin and we have no weight. We're slaves. We're slaves. People talk about the time when the blacks were slaves. Every white man is also a slave. A slave of his own sinful nature that he cannot get away from. He cannot cure it. He's chained by it. That's why we are so ugly in God's eyes because of our sinful nature. And it doesn't matter if you're red, yellow, black, and white, pin, stripe, chart, truth. It doesn't matter what you are. In God's eyes, we're all the same. We're all slaves of sin. And because of that, we are all in debt to God, and we can't pay the debt. We're broke. There's nothing God wants you to do. God didn't say, if you'll give me $5, I'll set you free. As though money could pay for your sins. If you'll go to church for 10 years, that'll pay for your sins. It won't pay for one sin. All of your good deeds, nothing that you can do can deliver you from this devastating dilemma. Except the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what was the price that God wanted paid. And Jesus Christ is the only one that could make that payment and set you and I free. So God loves all of us. All equally, and if we all accept Christ as our Savior, He'll save all of us equally the same way. Every man that gets to heaven gets to heaven the same way, by faith and faith alone and what Christ did on the cross for us. Look in the next part. In whom we have redemption through the blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Redemption and forgiveness, you'll notice, is virtually the same. It's what it's showing you, it, what it means to be redeemed. We sing a song, I'm redeemed. What do you mean? I'm forgiven. If I am forgiven, that means there's nothing against me. I'm forgiven. God doesn't hold any sin against me. There isn't one sin in this whole world that I can commit and still go to hell. I can't go to hell. Impossible. Why? I've been redeemed. I've been forgiven. That's why he told his disciples, go into all the world and preach the forgiveness of sins. What does that mean? If you're forgiven, it's not held against you. You're free. Forgiven. Debt paid. But only if you believe that what he did, he did it for you. 
You must believe in the Redeemer in order to be redeemed. Now, get the next statement here. In 1 Peter in chapter 1, it says in verse 18 and 19, right there in your notes. For as much as ye know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. That means money did not buy you. Money didn't set you free. Your money doesn't help either. Do you know there's actual people who go to church and give money and try to live a good life thinking that's going to get them to heaven? Can you believe somebody would be so naive as to think that? You wouldn't think that, would you? But there's people who go to church and think that their good works will get them to heaven. Can you believe that somebody would believe something like that? Nobody here like that. Because you've heard this preacher tell you, it will not pay for your sins. Silver and gold will not pay for your sins. And church attendance will not pay for your sins. That's why we needed something that would. Now look what he says. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold from your vain conversations received by tradition from your fathers, but with the, and you ought to underline this, this is so important, the precious blood of Christ. Why is it so precious? Because there's none like it. There's nothing like it. He has eternal life. And of a lamb without blemish, without spot. In other words, this lamb had not one blemish, not one spot, nothing wrong with him. He was perfect. He didn't have to die. He died willing. When he was on the cross, he says he could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone. He could have come down off the cross. Now, me, I would have come down and punched him in the face and then went back. You didn't do that. Look at number seven. Through the blood of Christ, we have peace with God. And having been made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all unto himself, by him, I say, whether they be things in earth, things in heaven, he's done all of this. He did it for us. Ephesians 2.14 says, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. This comes right after Ephesians 2.8 and 9, which says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But, he says, you were afar off. You had no hope. You were without God in this world. Without God. It's the worst thing that can ever happen to a person is to be without God. 